All right, book of Romans chapter 13. I'm going to begin reading in, I like to read the whole chapter, but for time's sake I will not. But I'm going to begin reading in verse 11. I'll read down through uh, verse 14 and I'll share the message that God has laid on my heart. Boy, I'm, I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm happy to be here, happy, happy for the Spirit of God that's in this place. Now, sinner friend, if you get under conviction any time through this message, if you're already under conviction, don't let me get in your way to get saved. April the 23rd, 1974, when the preacher was preaching my salvation message, I thought you had to wait till he got done giving an altar call. Don't be, don't be as silly as I was. When God calls you, that's when you ought to move. Don't wait on a man to say, come, if you want to be saved. You go when the Spirit says, come. Somebody will meet you here to pray. More than that, Jesus will meet you there uh, to see that you get what you're after. And that's a, that's a new birth from above. Romans 4, 13, beginning verse 11. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chamberness and wantonness, and not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Father, I'm thankful this morning for the privilege of being in this place. And God, I'm, I'm thankful, Lord, for the valleys that you allow us to go through, for the trials that we have, the battles that we face. And thankful, God, that we don't face the enemy alone. We're glad, God, that the Bible tells us that you are very present help in the time of need. I'm glad, God, that you have given us all that we need to make this journey from earth to heaven, God, successfully. I'm glad for your promises, your presence, and your power that you have given us and the victory that's already ours. And I pray today, God, for this great gathering, a great crowd today, that, Lord, as you move through us through the Holy Spirit, that you administer to us one and all. God, that you would bless especially these baptismal candidates, God, that are going to publicly, Lord, testify of their identification with Christ. May hearts that are still, uh, Lord, empty of not having Christ and empty, Lord, because they don't have him, regardless of what they put in there that's not him, may this be the day. that They'll see their needs, surrender their life to you, Lord, and repent and be born again. God, have your own way in this hour of worship, and we'll praise you and glorify you because we ask it in that name that's above every name, the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, and all of God's people said, Amen. I want us to pay attention particularly, although we're going to look at some of the things in all four of those verses, I want you to pay attention, if you will, at the beginning verse, at verse 11, and look at what the Apostle Paul said in the first century A.D. when the church was still brand new. He said, that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake 
out of sleep. I'm going to preach to you this morning for just a little while about this thought, and it's a question, what time is it? You know, it's sort of amazing in the day and the hour that we live in that in, in just an almost an instance, we can find what time it is any place on the face of God's footstool. We've got a computer we hold in our hand. We've got a Google we can ask. What time is it in Zimbabwe? And he'll tell you. There was these two friends walking down the road one day, and one looked over to the other and said, Hey, what time is it? He looked back at him and said, It's later than what you think. Folks, it's later than what some of us think. We, we, we have had the theme today since Brother Greg's Sunday school class and in the singing that we did in the choir and the theme, overriding theme today. And it'd be easy for a new preach on the second coming of Christ. One of my favorite subjects. Hey, but friend, it may be and is more important today for us to get ready for that coming. If you're not ready, shame on you if you leave here without getting ready. If you're lost, you can be saved. Backslidden, you can get stirred up and get on fire. And if you're asleep as a believer, and you may be, it's time to wake up. That's what time it is today. I want you all to pray for me. I need you to pray for me. I can't tell you what time it is in Timbuktu, but I can tell you this, folks, it's time to wake up. Now, it amazes me that the Apostle Paul said to that first generation of believers to wake up. That lets me know that it could happen in any generation of the followers of Christ. If it happened then when all things were new, the Spirit of God was high, people were excited, martyrs were dying, victories were being known. Hey, it could happen in these last days, and believe me, it has and it is. Can I tell you all a sad story? On the day, on the Lord's day after the rapture, there will be churches that will assemble and not the first member gone. I'm not judging, I'm just telling you the truth. Listen, Christianity is more than a religion. It's not a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't have one, it's time you get one. And if yours isn't right with him, though you have one, it's time that you get it right. Now look, in this, in this chapter, in, in the chapters that precede this, chapters 9, 10, and 11, Paul deals dispensationally with the Jews. Isn't it amazing how today all the eyes of the world are on Israel and the city of Jerusalem? Folks, we're watching the Word of God come to pass before our very eyes. In, in, chapter, um, in chapter 12, Paul begins preaching and teaching there, uh, giving practical instruction to those who are in Christ Jesus, the believer, the Christian, the follower of Christ. In this chapter that's before us, he continues his instructions as it relates to government, how we're to relate to them and obey them and submit to them and even our neighbors. We're not to owe anyone anything. But here's where the Lord has led me to in this message. 
in verses 11, 12, 13, and 14, the great apostle Paul gets as personal uh, as he can. He not only got personal with them in that day, but he gets personal with us in this day. I get tickled to people and people say, oh, preacher, are you preaching at me? Yeah. People say, preacher, are you preaching to me? Yeah. I don't care how you take it, as long as you realize I'm preaching to or at you, this message is for us today. God didn't call me to preach it down the road or up the road. He sent me here with it. Before all this mess happened yesterday and last night and, and as busy as it's been, I got, back, I got back home Thursday morning at 2.15, got into bed at 3.30, got up a little after 7, did a radio uh, program, went and did a study at Harmony. I'm, I know you should tell you the rest of that. That's mine, but it's been a busy, busy time. God gave me the message about three days ago. Listen, he wants somebody. In fact, he wants everybody to hear this message today. There's not a soul in here, sinner or saint alike, that won't get something out of this message. There's no doubt about it. And it's not because TK is such a great preacher. He's not. It's because the Word of God has a great message for us. Listen, friend, it'll be too late to want to be right or regret not being right after he comes. Paul sets forth in this passage of Scripture, one of the greatest doctrines there is in the Word of God. And you say, what is it, preacher? It is the imminency of the second coming of Christ, imminency of the return of Christ. You say, what does that mean? I remember preaching at one time before Rory Wolf got saved, and I was told that he went home and got him a dictionary down to look up the definition of the word imminent. I was right, wasn't it, Rory? Just shake your head. You know what imminent means? The imminent return of Christ means that it could happen at any moment. We live in coal mine territory. Doug and I, my brother, are coal miners. I don't know who else was, but we live a day after day in an atmosphere when we were totally aware that that, uh, that, that top we called it could fall, give way at any moment. It was hanging over the head is what the word means. And y'all know what? The coming of Christ hangs over our head. And when he comes, he's going to come in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And listen, he's only going to come for those who are ready and looking for him, who are those who have repented of their sin and by faith have received Christ as their Savior. Now he can take everybody but not everybody's going because everybody won't get ready. It's not that they can't get ready. It's that they won't get ready. You see, although we know he will return, we don't know when he'll return, but he could come today. I've always thought what it would be like to be in the church that had the last part or member of the body of Christ to get in it. 
Wouldn't that be something to see somebody here today come from those sections or those sections, weeping, brokenhearted, contrite in spirit, get down on one knee or both knees or prostrate themselves on the floor and say, God, I'm a sinner. I ask you for Christ's sake to save me. And wham, all of a sudden, we hear the trumpet, the voice of the archangel, and we're gone. It's going to happen someday. Why not here at Roxalana? When the body, the bride of Christ is filled up. When that last member, we're all members, becomes a part of it, it's going away. Why not today? So I'm going to suggest that we all pay attention to the teachings of this great apostle. I mean to tell you, friend, listen, we need to hear what the Holy Spirit inspired him to preach. He said, now listen, and that knowing the time that it is now high time to awake out of sleep, it's time to wake up. Everybody, everybody can understand that. But wait, just let me tell you something. It's one thing to wake up. It's another thing to get up. There's too many slumbering saints. I mean, this place ought to be full of Roxalana Gospel Tabernacle members. There's too many people in our role that we never see. I mean, people can wake up. Do you ever wake up and hit that snooze alarm? That's three times so far. That's about 30 minutes on mine. I mean, hey, listen, we need to get, you know, if there's ever a day that we ought to be excited and expectant and busy and anxious and just giving it all that we had, it ought to be in this day. Let me ask you something, believer. If Christ came today, would he find you as if you would desire him to find you. If not, this message is for you. I'm not done preaching to you that are believers. Yeah, you're saved. Yeah, you're going to heaven. But I'm telling you, friend, listen, it'll be awful embarrassing if at the judgment seat of Christ you receive no rewards. And I'm getting to you, backslider, in a minute, but let me say this. There may be some of you here today that are colder than Job's last year turkey. You're, you're like Paul or Peter following the Lord afar off. You'll get in. Then you're like the prodigal in the hog pen. And when you get there at the judgment seat, all of your works shall burn up. Like J. J. Vernon McGee said, you'll smell like you come through a fire sale. And those firemen understand that. Verbiage, don't you, gentlemen? They're afraid to even shake their head over there. Hey, listen, folks, this is serious. Can I tell you what this old preacher is talking about? I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about your eternal destiny. I'm talking about where you'll spend eternity. And there's only two places. There is a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. And where we go is decided on this side of the grave. So it's time to wake up. See, we're to be watching. What an admonition this is. 
the believer of every generation, every generation since the first after Calvary has been given this admonition. Listen to me. I believe he's coming in my lifetime. I believe if I die a natural death, friend, I believe he'll come before that. I believe it could happen any moment like we sang in the choir. Now, this is what I'm going to tell you. If he doesn't, he's coming. He, I'm as sure, I am as sure as that as anything I know, this same Jesus that went away shall come again in like manner, and he's only going to come for those that are ready and looking for him. It's time to get stirred up. It's time to get stirred up. It has been and continues to be every generation of Christians' responsibility to know that they are to live in the knowledge and in the light of the second coming of Christ. He said, look, we're not of the night. We are of the day. But the night is far spent. That's what he tells us in this passage of Scripture. But out of all generations of believers, how could anyone, in light of the current world situations, could we not be expecting him? Now, be honest with yourself. But if you really are, I'm going to ask you to say amen in just a minute. If you really are expecting and looking, don't, don't, just, don't just say it real loud because you know you got a neighbor because God sees your heart. You may know he is coming. But, but you're not really excited about it for whatever reason. Maybe you're not ready. Maybe you've got an unconfessed sin in your life. Maybe you're involved in something that you shouldn't be. Maybe you're not as close as you know you could be. I want you to say amen just as it suits you as you are. Hey, all of you are looking for Christ to come, expecting him to come, say amen. Amen. I'm telling you, folks, I live in that expectation. Now, there have been times in my life that I would have been so ashamed had he showed up. So I'm not ragging on anybody that may not be in the right place today, but I'm trying to encourage you to let you know you can get in that right place today. This minute, this morning, all we got to do is look around in our world. Let me mention a few things to you. Let, let me mention one word, Israel. Ever since 1948, folks, listen, Jesus, as far as I'm concerned, could have returned. He could have returned before then, trust me. When he was standing, when Stephen saw him standing in the book of Acts chapter 7, I believe he could have returned then and had the nation repented at Stephen's message. I believe he would have. I believe he is standing ready to come. I'll, I'll die with that conviction in my heart. And I'm going to ask him when I get there too. He could come at any moment. But you look at Israel, the nation of Israel, for after almost 2,000 years buried among the nations, and May 14, 1948, listen, things changed. The, the, the landscape prophetically changed. Uh, June, uh, June 67, the Six-Day War. Do you know what Israel did? They reclaimed all of the territory that David and Solomon had in their reign. Y'all do know that, don't you? It's still theirs, by the way. 
And they're going to get all the rest of it, all those 300,000 square miles. What about, a, what about a nation known as Russia? Chapter 38 and 39 of the book of Ezekiel talk about Russia. I never will forget back in the day that Reagan said, Gorbachev, tear that wall down. A lot of people said, the bear is dead. And I said, no, he's not dead, dude. He's just simply hibernating. He didn't die. Soon, folks, he's going to lead an Arab coalition against Israel and they're going to be whipped up supernaturally by Almighty God on the mountains of Israel. This will be an army uh, that, and a war that Israel will not fight. God will do it for uh, the nation of Israel so that the world may know that he's real. Now, folks, we're seeing all this formulated about the, the, the relationship Russia has with the Arab nations. What about China. And we got a president. Well, I'll not say. I'll just go on. What about the apostasy that's in the church? What about the advancements in technology? There are going to be two witnesses for Jesus uh, that, that, that testify for 1,260 days, 42 months, or three and a half years right in the city of Jerusalem. They're going to do miracles. They're going to people that try to kill them, but they themselves will be killed. Y'all know what? One of these days in the middle of the tribulation, don't have time to explain what that is. In the middle of the tribulation, they're going to die. And you know what the Bible says? All the world will see it. How many of you in here got a cell phone? Raise your hand. Y'all ever think that's how prophecy is going to be fulfilled, folks? Hey, we're living. How about nuclear power? The Bible talks about their eyes and their tongue melting in their sockets. Y'all ever read anything or hear anything about a city with the name of Damascus? Can I tell y'all what? One day soon. I'm not prophesying. I'm just telling what the Word of God says. One day soon. And it could be in our lifetime we can wake up to this news bulletin. Damascus is no more. Leveled last night. It's very possible. I don't know when it's going to happen, but the Word of God says it's going to happen. What about Noah-like and Sodom-like days with all this madness about um, homosexuality and, and uh, uh, transgenderism? Hey, we're living in the last days of the last days. Say, preacher, that's scaring me. Bless God, I'm glad it is. Don't take this wrong, but I hope it scares the hell out of you. That's why I got saved. I was scared I was going to die and go to hell. Matter of fact, I was sure I was. But I heard a gospel message that took care of that for me. He said, now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Let me tell you something about salvation, and I'm going to move on. Salvation is in three tenths. There's a past work, a present work, and a future work. Once you're saved, initially, when God justifies you by grace through faith, you'll never lose that salvation and God will never lose you. But you grow in that, you continue in that through sanctification. You become more like Christ day after day by the help of the Holy Spirit until finally one day 
there's a work of glorification that takes place in our life when we're changed to the likeness of Christ. That's when our salvation is complete. So it's in three tenses, a past work, a present ongoing work, and a future final work. You see, I've been redeemed by grace divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. I've been redeemed. I'm as saved today as I'll ever be. But it'll not be complete until I'm changed into his likeness. And I'm looking forward to that. Number two, what time is it? It's time to clean up. Now here, Christian, I'm still dealing with you. Let's face it, some of us just need to clean up. Amen or ouch? None of us are as holy as we could be, need to be, and even ought to be. I I don't know where the mentality is today and to think that as long as you name the name of Jesus, you can live like the world. He said, come ye out from among the world. Be ye separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you. I believe in the security of the believer, but I don't believe you can get saved and sin all you want. If you can do that, I say you're not saved. It's according to this book. You won't make make sinning a lifestyle. And by the way, I like what Charles Spurgeon said a long time ago. He said, God will not allow his children to sin successfully. Man, I'm on some good ground right now. He said, listen, he tells us in this next two verses, positive things and negative. He said, the night is far spent. The day is about ready to break, by the way. I'll not go into that, but I could. I'd like to, but I won't. He said, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Now watch this. It's up to us. Let's therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Can I tell you, you and I can get just as close to Christ as we choose to be. We are just as spiritual as we desire to be. We, Roxalana, you are GTite, we can make this church any kind of church we want it to be. It's up to us. It's up to us and how we relate to Jesus, whether we obey or disobey, whether we walk close or far away. We can make it a good spiritual church, or we can make it as carnal as many others that are going on in America today. Listen, this church is a Christ-centered church. All of y'all that understand that, believe it, say amen. Amen. We come here to worship God. I want everybody to get something, but let me tell you something. If you come in this place lost, we want to make you feel as welcome as you can be, but you ought not feel comfortable in here. What we preach, what we sing, what we testify to, if you're lost, ought to make you uncomfortable. Ought to make you realize there's something, and yea, it's someone missing in your life. This isn't about us. I tell this church all the time, and I'm not being mean. I don't care how good your self-esteem is. If y'all want to work on self-esteem, I'm a, I'm a LPC, licensed, certified professional counselor. Doesn't that sound good? 
Big, big deal. I can help you with your self-esteem, and I'll be glad to do that. I know how to do it. I've helped lots of people. That's not what preaching's about. I'm not here to pacify you. I'm here to minister to you, and I'm here to tell you thus, saith the Lord. I'll not go into that, but he said, let us. Now, I'm going to say this. That's not an option, actually. It is a command. Boy, I've got to hurry. He said, look, he said we are to cast off the works of darkness. Unless we wonder what they are, listen to what he says in verse 13. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting, not in drunk, not in chambering, not in wantonness, not in strife, not in envy. You know what those things are? Rioting is living like the prodigal. You're, you're just wasting, wasting daylight, burning daylight as the old saying goes. You're, you're living a wasteful life like the prodigal. You're saved, but you're living on the fringes of your Christianity. And let me tell you all something. If you name the name of Christ, if you profess you're saved, and you sin and you don't receive the chastisement of God, you are not saved, sir, ma'am. That's the book. Let me tell you what J. Vernon McGee said. He said, I believe in the security of the believer, but the insecurity of the make-believer. Everybody can go to heaven, but everybody ain't. Even I can understand that statement. And I'm here to help you get there. I like what Mark Fisher said. I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful. But listen, friend, he's not going to say it unless you've been two things, good and faithful. Everybody heard me say that? Say amen. Y'all look like you're a little afraid of me today. Don't want you to be. You know what drunkenness is, don't you? You can be intoxicated on a lot of things. But let's just get right down to the nitty-gritty. Somebody to show me a book one time, uh, Sipping Saints. And I looked back at him. I gave him back the book. I said, I got news for you, dude. If you sip, you're not a saint. Say amen. God calls us away from that stuff. Ever since April the 23rd, 1974, this teenage alcoholic, bless God, found him another place to get good drink from. And it wasn't from the bottle of a badly high made uh, refreshment. Isn't that sad to claim that I was a teenage alcoholic? I don't believe living for Christ and, and drink. Oh, I just social drink, preacher. Eh, Lordy, we need help in this generation. How about uh, chambering? Make it a little closer to some people. You know what that has to do with? Chambering has to do with the, the marriage bed, actually. But in this usage, it has to do with any type. Everybody heard me say any type. Say amen. Any type of illicit sexual relationship premarital sex that's still against the word of God fornication that's still against the word of God adultery still against the word of God homosexuality against the word of God pornography against the word of God are y'all with me 
may not like it, but it's the book. We don't hear it called out, do we, enough? Can I tell you one of the leading problems with a lot of pastors in America since the computer was installed in church offices around the nation is pornography? So many pastors have got addicted on pornography. It's not fun. Can you all see Jesus surfing on the internet for pornography? Now you say, preacher, that's a ludicrous statement. Well, listen, why should we expect Christians to? Because Christian means to be Christ-like. I know where I'm at this morning. Y'all may not be sure, but I'm totally sure. I'm right where I ought to be saying what I ought to be saying, folks. People, people say, and look, if you want me to get more clear, meet me out in the Welcome Center, and I'll spell some other things out. Hey, they used to teach in Bible colleges not to, not to hold hands, not to, uh, what did they call it? Uh, fiddlesticks. That's not what I was trying to say. What? Well, they weren't to show affection. That's right, but they call it something else. Hey, and you know what they say today? That's archaic. No, it's still the Bible way. See, it's not popular, is it? Not popular at all. But I'll tell you what, friend, Jesus is coming, and people are going to answer for all these. So you know what wantonness is? That's any sexual behavior that's not considered appropriate, and especially not just a man's accepted practices, but more than that, the practice of the Word of God. Well, I'm going to move on. Y'all don't like this too much, but it's good preaching. How about strife? Man, there's too many people. They may not drink. They may not use uh, illicit drugs. They may not look at pornography. They, they may not have sex outside of the bounds of marriage. But I'll tell you what, they'll take their tongue and cut people to death. They'll lie. They will lie. They, they've lied so much they think they're telling the truth. I'm on good ground today. The Bible talks that we're to be not only clean physically, but we're clean to be clean spiritually. We, we are to bring to death the works of the flesh and the spirit. People would never take a gun and blow somebody away, but boy, they don't care to open their mouth and let that long tongue go to killing people. They'll lie on an ex-spouse. They'll lie on their, on their uh, 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 employer. They'll lie on somebody that's upset them. And good God of heaven, aren't you glad there's no tape recorders in our cars when somebody cuts us off? Now, if y'all don't think I've been preaching long enough to get all of you on something, y'all just sat long enough, and I'm sure to come across it. Wouldn't you like to get to the place when you're going down the road and that, what you really think is a total idiot, cuts you off. Instead of you telling him a few choice things, you say, God bless you, brother. I'm praying that you'll get there as safe as God can make it happen. And you just keep going. Wouldn't you like to get to that place? Boy, I'm preaching now. I'm right. I'm not either. 
I, I want to pray. May God let a herd of camels go up your nose and all of them have babies. That's what I want to say. I am getting better. I am getting better. I'm confessing mine. Y'all just too chicken to confess yours. I am getting better. Let me go on. Let me, let me finish this. We, we got some baptizing to do. Some people got some praying to do. Listen, friend, as Christians, as believers, followers of Christ, we, we don't listen. We have not begin, been, been given the privilege to live any old way that we ought to. We're to be holy because He is holy. Thank you for that one. Who, hold your hand up. Who said that? Thank you, Jesse. Let me try that again. We are to be holy because He is holy. And holiness doesn't come by the length of your hair or your shirt sleeves or your skirt. But I'll tell you what, some of those things will show up if you're holy on the inside, on the outside. Let me give you the last one. But put you on the Lord. What time is it? It's not only time to wake up to clean up, but it's time to grow up. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Peter 2, John, you listen to this. Autumn, you listen to this. Brandon, you listen to this. Especially you three. You all may not have any idea where the book of Malachi is. And it's the book of Malachi right now. Keep reading that Bible. Keep putting it in your hand. Keep hiding it in your heart. Keep picking it up and thumbing through it and look at it. Go to the table of context in the in the first of that Bible and look at those 66 books, how they're broken up into, into two covenants, an old and a new. Look at the 39 books in the old. Look at the 27 in the new. And before long, you'll say, let's go to the book of Amos and you'll turn over there and say, well, Jeremiah, got to go back over to the right past Daniel. And you'll know it's past Hosea, right after Hosea. And then Joel, you'll get there. May not be there now. Hardly anything that I've said to you might make any sense. You keep at it. You keep coming. You keep listening. You keep learning. You keep walking. You keep asking questions. Because the Bible says in the book of 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. You know what I've learned about the Holy Spirit? He'll minister to everybody that's in a, in a sanctuary. I, I can preach something that is as deep as I can preach it, try not to confuse anybody, make it understandable and sound, but the Holy Spirit still has something in that message for the newest convert in the congregation to the oldest seasoned saint in that congregation. Is all we have to do is listen and let God feed us from His Word. All I've got for you three is this book. Y'all done come here long enough to know I'm not, I'm not uh, charismatic in the use of the word charismatic in its proper uh, terminology, not as it's used in the spiritual world today. I don't, I don't have anything amazing about me. I'm, I, I'm not much of a motivational speaker. I'm, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not, a, I, I don't work out. That's obvious, isn't it? I'm not here about my, my looks. It's not about me. It's about him and about you becoming more like him. That's my job, is to feed the sheep, feed the lambs. That's all I'm concerned about. Oh, I'm going to make the nicest presentation I am, but God just left me out on a few good things that I don't have, and looks is one of them. 
I mean, I'm not that bad. I know that. But still, you understand what I'm saying. I'm not a Stephen Furtick-looking guy. All right? Y'all sound real sympathetic toward me this morning. I kind of like that. Amen. We're to grow. We are to grow from, from, from a newborn in maturity, and that doesn't happen overnight. It happens day by day, walking with the Lord, reading the Word of God, praying, going to church, and living as best you can at that time in your life for Christ as you understand you ought to. And if God spares us and doesn't come soon, as you mature, you'll look back on things that you'll laugh at then that you did or didn't do. It's an amazing thing. 2 Peter 3, 18. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. We grow in grace and in knowledge. And we do it incrementally. We do it here a little and there a little. The Bible even tells the book of Isaiah, I believe it is, he said, it's precept upon precept, line upon line, statue upon statue. And it actually says, here a little and there a little. You don't get it all. You get just a little bit here and there. And about the time you get where you become old enough to think, man, I've got it all. You open that book up again, the Lord say, you hadn't seen this before. Titus tells us, chapter 2, verse 11, 12, and 13. He said, the grace of God that bringeth salvation teaches us that denying that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Hey, listen, we ought to grow. 